All right, church, listen, as we send folks out around the world, we're going to learn today in the Word of God, Paul was talking very much about, their names could have easily been, obviously that's not the Apostle Paul or Paulus, but he could have easily been workers in the field. Paul's going to talk to the church today in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you'd pick it up, word of, copy of God's Word, and let's look together. <clears throat> Paul talks very much to the church at Corinth, which really is screaming through the, 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 the halls of time at us, at you and at me, that uh, we need to hear what Paul has to say and heed to it and actually live according to the Scripture. So if you would, take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and then we'll begin. Uh, John, I don't know if this, mic, this uh, feedback monitor is on. Would you make that disappear? Thank you very much. All right, let's, let's begin in the Word of God. If you have a copy, say amen. If you're there, 1 Corinthians 3, say amen. Here's what Paul says. Now, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as, car as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, <clears throat> for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now to him, now, now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one, and I circle this in my Bible, will receive his own reward according to his own labor. If you mark your Bibles, that's a great place to mark your Bible. For we are, the, we are God's fellow workers. You, the church, are God's field. You, church, are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. Let, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day, and that's the day we're looking forward to, the day of judgment. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. I'll mark that in my Bible. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. Maybe you should mark that as well. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Verse 18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, verse 21, let no one boast in men, for all these things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, that's Peter, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Now we'll get into chapter 4 if we have an opportunity today. But let's get back into your notes. I want to show you something today. It's very important. As Paul speaks, and his mic had a mouthful, I gave him a 
hard uh, passage to read this morning. Uh, that's a mouthful of, okay, explain that to me. It's hard just to read a scripture like this and just say, okay, God bless the reading of his word and close the book and walk off. This is very difficult to understand, but yet it's so simple. Now, Paul puts it in terms that the average human can understand. How many of us understand that babies drink milk? Uh, or formula or whatever it might be, but it's milk-based. It's, it's a liquid. They can't have anything but liquid. Try to shove a hamburger into a kid's mouth. What are you going to do? You're going to choke the kid, right? You're going to actually cause harm. So you know as well as I do that when Paul says, I tried to speak to you, you were spiritual babes, meaning he led them to Christ. And we know from the book of Acts, we'll see this, that he spent 18 months with them. Let's go to your notes first. This is called Foundational Facts for Faithful Living. That's today's sermon title. Fact number one, the Corinthian church was full of spiritually immature Christians. They were dominated by their human nature. Now that's Romans 7, uh, some of what Mike read. Paul starts that chapter with that. This gives a picture of divorce. And then it's not really talking about divorce, even though it is. Uh, Paul's talking about getting rid of that old nature. Paul's like, he's using that as an analogy, get rid of the old nature and you cling to Christ. And then he later says, but I'm stuck, I'm, I'm preaching to you, I'm telling you that, I'm telling you I've struggled with this as well. Paul's maturing in Christ, right, as he grows in Christ because he wrote scripture, but he's also struggling. He's having this human struggle. He's, he's got these battles because Paul as we understand, he was a Roman citizen, so therefore he was born into the Roman citizenship. So his family had to have some kind of nice income for him to be a European Jew, if you will. So he was Jewish and of the tribe of Benjamin, but he also was a Roman. So he, he had status, and he got that status probably from his father and his mother. So Paul knew what it was like to have these nice things in life, right? What he wanted, he could have. But then he gave his life to Christ after being knocked off his high horse on the road to Damascus, right? He changes his name from the Roman name Saul, I mean Jewish name Saul, to his Roman name Paul, because he had both names. And now he's, he's working for the Lord Jesus Christ full time. Well, if you're parents, if you ever uh, give your life to Christ, you'll find out that many in your family will reject you immediately. Especially if they have a religious tradition and you blow that tradition, they don't want any part of you. They, they want you to come, but they don't want strings attached, right? They don't want you connected to Jesus Christ. They want you just to just come and just be quiet about that Jesus stuff, and we can get together and be together and then leave and do your own thing when you, on your own time. Children would do it. Adults would do it. Family would do it. Coworkers would do it. I, I jokingly, we, uh, me and Adrian talked about uh, different places that, where you can work in town. And a lot of corporations now, they talk about, don't talk about religion in, in your workplace, right? Don't talk about it wherever you are, just be, keep it neutral. And I laughed as we talked about different places, because uh, we all have been there. Maybe you work there, that place. And I told Adrian, there's no way when I rode by their place that they could keep their religion neutral. Because the name of the place is what? Zeus, the god of thunder, right? So they, they have to acknowledge some kind of god right there because the name of the building. So, but many places will have these two double standards. Don't talk about God. I don't talk about Jesus, but you can talk about God, right? I told you I, several years ago when I was a new pastor in town, they wanted me to pray for the, uh, one of these Republican candidates. And I said, I don't pray for candidates. I pray for the God's man to be in the position of God's woman. And, but I'll come and pray if you want me to pray. But, and they called me back and said, hey, we heard kind of preacher you are. We don't want to uninvite you. But can you just not pray in Jesus' name when you come? Can you just kind of keep it neutral so that everybody's satisfied? And I said, uh, absolutely not. They said, we already, have you, we already have the program that you're on the program. We don't want to change the program. 
all we're asking for is, can you just pray in thy name and thy holy name? They, they gave me instruction on how I could pray so I wouldn't offend anyone. And I said, you've actually called the wrong person. You obviously don't know me, and I understand that. I don't have any shame in the game. You can, you can take me off. The, no, we want you to come. And I went and I prayed in God's neutral name. No, I didn't. I prayed in the name of Jesus Christ. And the person won, just for the record. But uh, uh, the, the point is that the world will take a little bit of God, but keep Jesus out of it, unless you use his name as a curse word. So the Corinthian church, they had plenty of time. It wasn't like they were like, oh, we're brand new Christians, so we have an excuse. Babies cry. Babies can't feed themselves. Babies use the bathroom on themselves and demand that you fix it. Isn't that true? And then as you get older, we start working on potty training. We start feeding self and how to sit at the table and, and how not to cry and how not to snatch and how not to know, right? No is the magic word for these kids. I want you to look at fact number two. Paul spent 18 months personally discipling the Corinthian believers during his second missionary journey. 18 months. Uh, many of you could actually, some people are getting, their, they're getting degrees in these short period of times. Uh, 18 months Paul spent with them one-on-one. What did the apostle Paul bring to the table if he came and taught us and Paul taught regularly in the synagogues. He taught regularly uh, with this group. So it would be more than one time a week. What would the discussions be? Well, we say, well, I'm not really sure. Yes, you can be sure because you can go read all 13 epistles that Paul wrote and find out what he talked about on the regular, on the download. He's always talking about Jesus. He's always keeping theology first and foremost. He's talking about the Old Testament. He'll bring the Old Testament to the New Testament. And he'll say, this is the mystery of God. He'll explain this is how we're supposed to live. And the people are like this, they're just crying, right? Eh, just give us some more milk. We don't want to talk about all that theology stuff. Just tell us how to love God and feel good this Sunday. And we want to go back home and just say, it's good to be in the house of God. Isn't that the way it is today? Don't, don't, don't make us, hey, we, can, we can tolerate this on Sunday, but it don't, don't carry over to Monday through Saturday. That's my time. That's me time. Uh, we have this sacred, right? And we've set apart this, this holy time of Sunday morning. And then we have the secular, and we, don't, we divide the two in America today, especially in around the world. You do it as well. Because what happens is I want this today, and I'll have this the rest of the week. We've been spoiled. Paul's saying, listen, it's all sacred. Your life, when you've been giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no sacred and secular split. It's all sacred. Paul spent his 18 months with him teaching this, and it's been some time now that he's been gone. He's writing back saying, listen, I taught you these things. I gave you the milk when I was there. Because new Christians, guess what? You have a past. You're a baby Christian up until the time that you drink the spiritual milk of the Word of God. We sing something like this. Jesus loves me. Sing with me. This I know. How why? For the tells me so. Little ones to. It's not little ones, itty bitty ones just only. It's little ones in Christ. Little ones to him belong. They are. But some of y'all wouldn't sing because y'all like too mature, right? I saw your faces, y'all puffed up thinking you're all smart and you got all this academic stuff in the Word of God. But if you can't get the elementary things of God, you will never get the deeper things of God. You won't eat the meat. You'll just stay on that milk level and you'll constantly say, no, no, I'm better than that. And we talked about this morning, Adrian, Adrian's the target this morning, but we were talking about wardrobe and things. I was part of a, something this past week and I'm like, I don't understand the hierarchy that's built up in this certain church denomination structure. The, the members are slaves and the, the pastors are bishops and they have to kiss the ring. It's just crazy stuff. The world will set up and make a structure. The Corinthian church was very much this way. Let me give you fact number three. I want you to see this. The structure of this is Paul saying, listen, 
I'm a messenger of God. As a messenger of God, Paul called out the specific sins of people who were causing division in the church. God always desires unity within his body. Did you know that? Paul's going to go further and say, listen, why are you dividing the church? Why are you saying you like Paul? Because Paul's an apostle. Why are you saying you like Apollos about it? Because he's a great speaker. Because he's from Alexandria. He's got that accent that you really love to hear. He's that one that's like, he gets a crowd fired up. Why are you saying you like from Peter? Because Peter just blunt. He's just to the point. Peter hurts your feelings and then picks you up and encourages you. Uh, why, why are you dividing? He's going to tell you, listen, Peter is nothing. Paul, me, is nothing. Apollos is nothing. All we are is instrument. Did y'all hear the instruments this morning? What happens if we go back and push? Turn, turn the keyboard on just for a second. Watch this. I don't, I don't do music at all, so. But I'm going to play a song for you. Ready? It's probably the Boogie Woogie, right? You remember this? Anybody, anybody remember that? Alan played this morning. made me think of it. The only thing I know on the music. So there you go. That's all I got. All right? Were you enlightened by that? No. There's nothing good out of that, right? It just, you just, it was, it was something I did. It's, it was useless. It was pointless. But to show you that I'm not a musician. So could I become a musician? Yeah. I've got to submit myself to whom? A teacher. Someone who will actually teach me or to my, if some people are gifted to hear it and to learn it that way, they can pick it up by ear. But I got to spend some time in music if I'm going to learn music. And if you're going to grow in Christ, guess what you have to do? Paul is very clear. You've got to spend some time as a disciple of Christ. These are people, yes, they are Christians. They're not spending any time here because they live in like a place like Vegas. Everything they still have, man, we still love to go party. We party on Saturday night, but we're in church on Sunday. There's a church today in our town that's spreading that they play secular music before they even get started in church service because they want to attract the crowd. They want the young people to come in and feel comfortable when they come into church so it doesn't feel so offensive. I got news for you today, church people of God, we're weirdos. We've, we've been set apart from the world. We are offensive to the body that's out there, the natural body. It offended me when I used to hear, you must be born again. It offended me when I was told about my sins. As Paul talks about these sins here. He calls them out. It offended the church. The church is like, who is Paul? And we know they did that because Paul says, he's going to tell us later, hey, some of you want to bow up against me? This is Clint's interpretation. You want to come against me? I'm going to show you. I'm writing by the letter saying, I hope you change because I'm writing the letter, but I'm coming to you soon. And he was an apostle of God. An apostle could call fire down from heaven. You want to challenge that? <laughs> you want to go up against Paul? He could speak and God would move because the apostles had special apostolic powers. People today call themselves an apostle. Dare them to do a miracle in front of you. Do it now. If you can't do it now, you are a liar. You're the devil's interpreters what you are. These apostles today, don't, don't trust anybody that uses the word capital A, apostle, so-and-so. They're deceivers is who they are. They have no place in the kingdom of God calling themselves that. There are no living apostles today. You had to see the Lord Jesus Christ. You had to see him resurrected. Paul, uh, Peter was very clear in First uh, Acts chapter 1. You, it gives the, what's the explanation and expectations of an apostle. Now the small a apostle, we're still messengers of God today. We still carry on that message. But there's no capital A apostles. If someone advertises themselves as an apostle, run as fast as you can away from that human. Got it? You say, well, that offends me. Well, then check the word of God, and I hope I offended you today. Because I want to offend you to the point that you actually start eating meat, that you quit sucking milk and saying, that's okay, that's just how it is. You, Pastor, you know our culture, or Pastor, that's just our denomination. Pastor, that's just how we work, that's just my people. 
Listen, if your people don't line up with the Word of God, get away from your people. Amen? Line up with the Word of God. What thus said the Word of God. You say, does it talk about that? Yes, it does. As a matter of fact, let's continue. Paul said this very clearly. Fact number four, the carnal Corinthian Christians were those who were truly saved. Now, they're Christians, but they were self-centered and not God-centered. What's God going to do with someone actually as they mature in Christ? What does he always do? He talks about this, right? He gives everyone, everybody do this. I know it's simple, but just try it with me for a second. He gives everybody, when you're saved, a measure of faith. How much do you get? A measure. How big's your measure? I don't know how big your measure is. Only God knows that, right? But how do you grow in that measure? Can that measure grow? You get a measure of flour and add some yeast, and you do your work, what's going to happen? You ever get one of those families, somebody always gets on the kick when there's some time, especially when the economy goes bad, people start making sourdough bread. You ever got that? Has anybody got any starter? Yeah, that's what it's called, starter in the jar. Oh, yeah, I got some starters growing all over the place, right? And usually it lasts for about three weeks, and then it's over, right? It starts stinking, and you forget to do it. But you just keep dividing it and giving it away, and it just keeps growing. That's how your faith is. You're given a measure, a starter, if you will, of faith, and then as you read the Word of God, Romans 10, 17, Paul writes this again. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Understand that? So not just hearing a preacher preach, hearing the Word of God, listening to the Word of God, reading the Word of God. God will speak to you, and as He speaks to you, He's going to mature you in your faith, and your measure is going to grow like that sourdough starter. You're going to continue to grow, grow in your faith, and after you grow in your faith after a while, someone's going to say, hey, I notice you can sing. I notice you teach really well. I really understand when you teach. Would you teach this class? Would you lead this music? Would you do this situation? Would you go on mission for us? Would you, would you be our representative? Would, would you do this administration? Uh, would you help serve in this capacity? Because they see that gift in you, not just a talent. I'm not talking about something you train in the secular world do, but it's something that's a gift given uh, by God. First Corinthians 12, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. In Romans chapter 12, if you want to look ahead, you can cheat and look into it and grow. You can grow quickly in your faith. I want you to see this also. In fact, Paul and Apollos were simple instruments, he said, used by God. Paul clarified their unity in Christ. He said, Paul is nothing. Apollos is nothing. What do we call Paul today? Anytime we reference Paul many times, especially in the religious world, what do they call Paul? Murderer. Is that what we call him? Was he one? He's at least a co-conspirator because he held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen to death, a righteous man. So he'd be charged with murder in our society, would he not? If you were in the car, you did the, you did the crime, right? Isn't that right? So he was standing by while they murdered. So Paul, do we reference him as Saul the murderer? We ever say that? We preach it sometimes when we read it. But what do we call him? Go around any church that's named after him, what do they call him? Saint, ST, I did ST for you. Saint Paul, right? We want to call it Saint Paul's, and you fill in the name of the church, right? The rest of the church. We, we, we lift him high and say, well, he's, he's a saint of God. Paul's like, I am nothing. And he wasn't saying that he's nothing because I, I despise the song. I don't know who sings it. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody, right? That's a dumb song. You are somebody. You've been given a soul by God. You were created in his image. You've been given a soul by God, and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. You are somebody. And you do have to tell everybody about the capital S somebody, Jesus Christ. That's your mission. 
But Paul is saying, I'm nobody when it comes to status. Because he's going to relate it to the wisdom of the world. I'm no Paul, Apollos. Man, I like that guy. So Paul leaves. Apollos comes in. They go, wow. There's a diversity here. I, I like Paul's teaching. He's really deep. Well, I like Apollos, man. He's, he's just he's smooth as butter. He, he just, he just, I love his voice. I love his accent. He's an Alexandrian Jew. He, he, speaks with a, he speaks with that funny accent, and I just like it. Peter. He's just a hound dog. He plows, right? He just comes in. I like Peter. Peter's just to the point. You don't ever have to question where Peter stands. Well, you don't have to question where Paul stands. Or Apollos. Apollos is straight up. Yeah, but I heard that Aquila and Priscilla had to teach him some things about Jesus. Is that true? From the Word of God, it's true. They took him aside and said, hey, some things you're preaching, it's not 100%. Let's, let's get that worked out. He got it worked out, and of course, he was a man of God. So you have these men. You have three different names listed here, and even Christ. Some people say, we have Christ. You've read chapter 1. Now Christ is somebody because Paul says Christ is the foundation. He clarified this is how, listen, you, you pull me and Apollos side by side, watch this, Mike, come up here really quick. Adrian, come here really quick. Derek, come here really quick. Mr. Greg, Derek, come up here really quick. Do you feel like, can you make it up here? I want to show you something that's very important. I'm not running around the church, so don't even try that. I you we ain't running, we ain't cut loose. Out of all of us, and I'm not coming on the step because I, I, I might trip and fall. Who's the most important standing up here in front of you? Let's take a popular vote. You ready? You ever done that at school? The best athlete gets picked first, and the kid who just ain't got no skills, like, so who would get picked first if we had to pick? Well, I hope your family would pick you first, right? I, I, Barbara, maybe, maybe. If, I'm if I move here, Barbara picked me first, but they went, no, just kidding. <laughs> but, like, y'all, listen, this is what the church was doing. Mm -mm. I like the way, and, and listen, people told me, hey, when you're out, I like the way Adrian preaches. He's crazy and he runs around the church. Have you ever heard uh, Derek teach? We used to do home groups. Derek is an excellent teacher. Have you heard Greg Derek teach? Yeah, he's, he's very practical. He's just simple when it comes down to it, and, and you get this hard truth with a simple, I don't know how he does it, he does it better than me. And some people say, hey, Pastor, I really like what Mike teaches. He, he teaches a little deeper than you do. Well, I, I told everyone, I'm preaching to the sixth grade boy. If he gets it, the whole church will get it, right? Mike likes to get into deeper things. He'll, he'll get into all kind of weeds. Mike will be preaching until 3 o'clock this afternoon if we let him preach, right, all the time. But does Adrian ever fill in when I'm not here? Not fill in. He's preaching the Word of God. That's his assignment on Sunday. Mike, would he ever preach on Sunday? Yeah, he does. But I trust Greg Derrick to do it. But I trust Mr. Derrick, Greg Derrick and Derrick Schwarthout, just so you know, we always, Mr. Derrick, yeah, him or him, first or last name. The point is, there's other men I can reach out through here and say, listen, I trust you with my heart, trust you with the pulpit, because, listen, we're all instruments of God. Our voices sound different. Our abilities are different. And we come at it from different ways, and our personalities are so different. But yet, we're one in Christ. Absolutely, thank you, guys. So what I want you to understand, this is what, this is what he's saying. Who are you clapping for? Which one? I'm, I'm just kidding. We're all just instruments. We're all just instruments. Tammy said Mike. All right. Y'all, this fact is so simple. Go back and look at your notes. The believer's boss is God. We are his servants working together. Is that difficult for us to understand? He owns everything. We just think it's his breath in our lungs, is it not? When he created man in his image, what did he do? He, he breathed life into man. He took woman from the, uh, to the rib and made woman. 
Obviously, where'd life come from for her? We don't have record of that. He said he made her. How'd he make her? Did God take the snout of a cow and blow into a cow? No, he, the Bible says he spoke and it happened. We were made in the image of God, Genesis 1.27. Look at the scene. Let us make man in our image. We were made and created in the image of God. And so today, every time there's a baby born, every one of you were born, and guess what? No one had to, maybe had to give you some air or, or get you going, but that, ever take a deep breath? That's from God. That's his breath that was breathed. How long ago? Thousands of years ago. Still going on every time a baby's born. It's God who gives us life. It's God who gives us substance. It's God who gives us all things. I told this funny thing this morning. I was eating, and my sugar, I'm always battling sugar back and forth. But um, Chris and Kenzie gave me this honey from North Carolina when they went up there. I'd see his dad. And I was eating honey toast, honey and toast this morning. More toast than honey, but I really wanted more honey than toast. And I thought about the land of milk and honey. What do y'all think about when you think about land of milk and honey? What do you think about? Manna, okay. Canaan land, heaven. I thought about bees and cows and goats. Where does honey come from? Bees. I got one honey jar that's got full of the, um, what's it called? The bee, hot, what's comb? Honeycomb? Yeah, honeycomb. Sorry. I had too much of it, I guess. How many of y'all have ever eaten honeycomb? How many hate it? I love it. I love it. Put it in toast. It tastes just like wax. Yeah, it's waxy. It's God. Bees make honey. Where do bees get their opportunity to make honey? From God, but it's got to be flowers. Flowers need water. Where does milk come from? An animal. Where does the animal get their milk ability from? God. He's got to bring water. There's got to be food for them to eat. And that's Matthew 6. Look at the flowers of the field, right? Look at the birds of the air. They need a soul. They, they don't work. They just go and pick up what God puts out. And are you not greater than the birds? Are you not greater than the flowers? The answer is yes. That's why I say you are somebody made in the image of God. But when it comes to the preaching of the word of God or teaching or sharing the word of God, is Mackenzie or Chris more important? And they're both in Japan today. No, they're, they're, they're in the eyes of God, they're the same. They've got the same foundation they're giving out is, is that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Mackenzie was sharing with me, and it was a heavy burden for her. She said, Dad, this woman has never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And, and she was a middle-aged lady. And so she was able to speak English, and, and Kenji was able to share, and she's texting back and forth. Amazing thing about technology today, can you plant in water with your devices? But also, can you roll into Carnalityville with your devices? You can, and what's more likely to come to you? The carnal Christian way, the sinful way, or Christ objects and things that you want to do? The carnal way goes, the sinful way goes uh, clearly. But you got to remember, God is your boss. Say that with me. God is my boss. Whether you believe in him or not today, if you're far from him, he's still your boss. Right? If you're sick today, he's your boss. If you're healthy and strong today, guess what? He's your boss. If you're rich today, he's your boss. If you're poor today, guess what? He's your boss. God is the believer's boss. He's the head. Here's the next fact. There is only one firm foundation for the church, and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the Watch this. This is pretty amazing. The Bible says he's the foundation on which all things are built of our faith, but he's also the head of the church. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. And we've said it before. Hebrews 13, 8 says he never sleeps nor slumbers, right? God is the same yesterday, today, and how long? Forevermore. This is the God that we serve. 
Now, let me take a commercial break here, and I have to tell you something. that We talked about things we try and things that we actually, uh, you know, we, we only learn by experience. I was told this morning by a credible source, I won't point the source out, she can cook, that when I talked about vanilla extract, how nasty it was and how strong it was, that I was told, I haven't looked it up, so I, I verified just based on what you told me, that it's actually vodka in vanilla extract. Did y'all know that? They use vodka to extract the vanilla. I didn't know that. I was taught something this morning, so uh, don't go sipping on the vanilla. If y'all come into church and say, I just love that sweet vanilla, <laughs> nudge your neighbor and report on Tell the deacons. They'll, they'll, we'll, we'll, let them, we'll have to get with them. Y'all, there's a truth. I said something last week and, as funny, and I found out this week that actually there's something in it. So uh, something to the story that I didn't know. I was taught something today. That's how it should be in the Word of God. Every time you read it, you go, I didn't know that. I didn't know that's who I am in Christ. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm a joint heir with Jesus? What does that mean? It means Jesus is your brother. That means Jesus obviously is your Savior as well, but he's your brother. And everything that he owns, if I'm a joint heir, wait a minute. What's he saying there? Whatever he's got, that's what I got, right? So who owns the oceans? I told you I told my kids this every time we travel when they were little. Y'all see that ocean? The Atlantic Ocean? It should be named the Clint Smith Ocean because I own it. It's mine. Dad, I do. I own it. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Whatever he owns, I own. We used to go to the Blue Ridge. You see those mountain kids? Every one of them should be named Clint Smith. Clint Smith's Mountains, right? Because I own them. I'm a joint heir with Christ. You say, well, that's too big. Pastor, you're talking crazy. Let's keep reading. Let's find out how crazy I am. Watch. Let's get to the judgment, and we're going to talk about it if we get to chapter 4. There is a day of judgment coming for all believers. Did you know that? What's it called? God is going to pass judgment on you and me. You're saved. You're getting into heaven. You're, you're, you're going to heaven. But those who are practicing uh, the Christian walk, you're living like Christ wants you to live, there's going to be rewards. He even mentions it in this chapter, this very chapter. But the judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. Now, there's two judgments. Don't miss it. For Christians, the believers, there's the judgment seat of Christ. We're not going to be judged for sin that we're going to be kicked out of heaven. We're just going to get those rewards there at the judgment seat. I don't know how he's going to show it, if, it's, if God has screens or what he's going to do in heaven, but he's going to say, this is what I called you to do, and this is what you did. And you're going to get your reward based on how obedient you were in this life. Y'all, it's not going to be a good thing. Some of you go, well, at least I'm going to heaven. That is the dumbest thing you possibly could say. If you ever hear somebody say that, I wouldn't recommend hitting them, but I would just show them to the Word of God. Listen, that doesn't make any sense. Don't live for here and now. Live for the hereafter. But while you're here and now, live for the hereafter, right? You've got to do it while you're here. You've got to plant and water while you're here on the planet. You only get this one time to do it, this one life to do it. And the great white throne judgment is for unbelievers. No believers will be at the great white throne judgment, and no unbelievers will be at the judgment seat of Christ, okay? Two separate judgments, not at the same time. Two different judgments, different times. But that day that Paul talks about right here, listen, he's going to judge. There is a day of judgment coming for all believers. God's judgment will test the quality, character, and worth of each person's work. Have you ever done a job? We had summer interns this summer. Every morning, if they stood up right now, I'd say, what did I tell you all to do? The first thing I told you to do is do what? Check the bathrooms. Why? Because everybody in the building has got to go to the bathrooms. You ever been to a truck stop that was not very worthy of sitting on? What do you do? Choose another place to go to, right? Uh, you, so everyone, the bathroom is the first thing we do. And 
after you check the bathrooms, guess what the first thing I ask is? Did you check it properly? Did you, and paper needs to be paper. Was it clean? If it needs to be clean, did you check it? And the answer is usually this, watch my face, watch my face, really? What does that tell you as a human? The answer is no. They lollygagged, went down, stood in the room, and came back out. And that was true for many cases, right? The quality of their work was terrible. And if they knew I was going to judge or come check it, guess what they would do? <clears throat> They'd be in there just working it and make sure everything's tidy because I was coming to check. Not that I was overbearing or Mr. Derek was overbearing, as it was called. That was their responsibility. As a Christian, listen, God's given you a free opportunity, free will, if you will, to do the work he's called you to do. You say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, go ahead and cheat and get the first... Corinthians chapter 12, and read for yourself. I'm not going to do it today. He tells you the gifts that are in the church. Romans chapter 12, he tells you again. That's not, I don't believe that's all of them, but that's a big swimming pool to swim in there to go and look. And you can find out, hey, this is what I really feel love to do. I love to serve people. And we've, we've said this example, and we'll say it again in the future. If we have a luncheon in the cafeteria, someone walks out, and they trip over the threshold and drop their tray, right? person with the gift of service, they'll beat up there. They'll be there washing up. Go get them up. So they'll be like, right? And, and they'll be there cleaning up. person with the gift of mercy will be like, baby, it's okay. It's all right. They'll be tapping them on the back. He's like, come here. Let me get you. Let's go get you another tray. Let's, go, let's leave it to them. Let's go get another tray. What's the teacher going to do? Hold the tray with both hands, right? Don't talk while you're walking out. The administrator's going to be like, hey, need a mop here now. Not that mop. No, not. Don't use that mop. Move this mop, right? Y'all, we need to get this threshold. I'm making a note. We get this threshold. I'm going to fix this threshold, right? Ministers out there just telling what's going to happen, how to fix it. Person with hospitality, she's going to see it behind the light. Oh, she's going to have that tray ready to go, right? Didn't you, you don't want extra green beans, right? They're already going to know what you want because they want you to be comfortable. They don't want you to be embarrassed. And so the gift happens like that. All of a sudden, just, it just happens. And you can end that story, that simple story. You can hear yourself. And maybe I didn't use all the gifts there, but you can see the gift of service in action. You can be the wealthiest person in town and have the gift of service and bend down and wipe a kid's foot or leg or spill. This morning when I came in, I don't know who did it, but one of y'all did it, unless you cut church. Somebody threw coffee all over the wall upstairs when I passed by after my class. Yeah, all over the, you must have had a spill, a trip or something. But you left a mess on the wall. Derek, I cleaned the mess up, just so you know. It wasn't my job because I was in a hurry to get in to preach. But I, I took a watch and, and Melissa came in and goes, what are you doing? I'm like, washing the wall. She goes, leave it. I'll get a magic marker or whatever those things are called. I was like, I ain't leaving it. It's a mess because he just painted that wall, and I don't leave it up there. If you make a mess, guess what you should do? You don't have to be a Christian to know that, right? Amen? All right. I want to continue with the notes once you see this. Fact. Believers are the temple of God. The Spirit of God dwells primarily in all, collectively and individually. He knows your thoughts. That's what Paul says. He knows what you're thinking right now. He, he, he knows what you're thinking, man, I'm hungry, I'm ready for lunch. He knows what you're thinking. He, he, he knows everything that's good and bad. And when, by the way, when you own everything, what should you think about? Everything. How do I use this thing that God's given me for the kingdom, for the glory? How do I honor the king with this? Well, are all things yours? Yes or no? Okay, no, that's good. It, we have property titles, but all things are Yours, because you're joint there with Jesus. You mean, we're each other's? Are we unified in the body of Christ as one? Is God ours? Yes, because he gave himself for us. We're joint heirs with Christ. Then don't go roll up in somebody's business and say, this is my business. You're going to get arrested, right? 
you use your understanding when it says all things are yours. What about sickness? Is sickness yours? I don't want this. Right? Can I send this one back? Can I get a return on this? All things are yours. And what happens is you can use it for God's glory and for his kingdom. Believers are the temple of God. He knows your thoughts. He loves you. Listen, even though you think crazy thoughts. Mike read Romans 7 there, verse 14 through 25. Did Paul sound like he was a crazy man? The stuff I don't want to do, I'm doing. The stuff I'm preaching, I, I'm doing the opposite sometimes. And what a wretched man that I am, right? So even Paul, the apostle Paul, was conflicted sometimes as he matured in Christ. Now, I'm sure there were things he wanted to do that he'd done in the past. He just cut off because he even said, he talks about, we're going to read it here shortly, dining, fellowship manners, right? Does anyone burp out loud at the table? If you do, at my table, you're going to get a reprimand and you're going to get some kind of respect put back into you, right? And somebody goes, oh, it's just how we do it in my house. That ain't how we do it at our house. So don't, bring, don't come to my house and do that in my house, right? Had a kid one time. <laughs> wasn't appropriate, I don't guess, for me, but the, the names. You don't call a slander name to, a, to anyone, especially a pastor. And I spoke to a mother, and I said, hey, don't, that kid should not use that terminology with me. One, I'm a, I'm a grown man, and two, I'm his pastor, I'm y'all's pastor. And she said, well, that's just a term of endearment in our family. And it was fecal material term, if you know what I mean. And I'm like, I don't care how your family is rude and you went and educated or taught, you didn't have manners, but you don't say to my family, if the kid says it again, I'm going to feed that child some grass like the animal he's talking like. Well, he comes up and says it again. Well, I just got the kid and packed about two pounds of grass in his face. He's spitting grass and going, you're so mean. I'm like, and his mama, they left the church, you can imagine, but um, <laughs> that kid ain't ever called me that name again. Right? They stayed for a little bit a few weeks after, but here's the deal. When we come into, as Christians, what do we do? And, and I had to ask for forgiveness. I even asked for forgiveness. And I said, look, I told you, I shouldn't have done that. But that's my old children's minister in nature coming out. Don't do it. Paul is telling us very clearly, don't divide the church. Don't come up and say you like this singing better than that singing you like this or whatever it might be. Just say, listen, as we grow in Christ, there are things I like more than others. We, we talk about different pastors. You should learn from different pastors. Is what Paul's saying. Listen, you can learn from Paul. You can learn from Apollos. You can learn from Peter, but all those guys, no matter how many we put up on the front, they're all one because the foundation is Jesus Christ. That's how we learn. That's how we live, and that's how we do. Let's finish the facts, and we'll get over this today. The church, the church fact, the church must be aware of destructive teachers. They're there. They're here. Paul writes, if anyone corrupts the temple of God with false doctrine, God will destroy the destroyer. That's what he's talking about there. If someone comes into the church, he's talking about somebody who's teaching Wrong doctrine, and doctrine just means teachings. He's, someone's teaching the wrong thing. The temple of God is holy and sacred, and remember, you are the temple of God. Wherever you go, whatever you watch, whatever you listen to, that's what you're inviting the Holy Spirit to be a part of. And of course, he quotes from Job 5.13 and Psalm 94.11. Last couple of facts. All things belong to Christians, therefore we must be good stewards of, of the grace of given and the mysteries of God he has chosen to reveal. Don't try to go find out mysteries that, that Daniel said, this is a mystery, lock it up, don't write it. Some people try to figure, spend their whole life trying to figure out what that mystery is. If God didn't give it to Daniel, you think he's going to give it to you? So what is it categorized as? A mystery of God, leave it alone, move on. It's just a mystery. You don't have need to know, as we talked about last week. But the things he has revealed, the mysteries he has revealed is, hey, 
all the prophets, they preached. Read Hebrews 11, just for a refresher course. Write in your notes, go read Hebrews 11. All these prophets, everybody was looking forward to the day that he was coming because he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. He had no clue how he was coming. They said, he's coming. And then when he came, guess what? They're like, he's here, he's here, he's here, he's here. And they crucified him. Didn't make sense to, to the multitudes that were following going, wait a minute. Even the apostles were like, did we get this wrong? We just gave up everything to follow this man for three years. And now he's dead. He rose again the third day according to the scripture. And they said, he came, he came, he came, right? right? He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. He's here, he's here, he's here. He came, he came, he came. And the last word is, he's coming again, he's coming again, he's coming again. Amen? We used to sing this song when we were kids, The King is Coming. You ever sing that? I don't know who's, who, uh, who wrote it. The King is Coming. The King is Coming. I just heard the trumpets sounding, right? Now his face I see. And it would just repeat it. The King is Coming. The King is Coming. And right, and the, the praise was, who is the King? Same person that's the head. Same person that's the foundation. Who's the King? King Jesus is coming for you and for me. Are you ready? Listen, that very first advent when he came, do you think the shepherds were ready? No. They were out snoozing, laying around in the field at night. And when the glory of God shone all around, guess what happened? Let's go see this thing we've heard. Let's go. And they were the ones saying, he came, he has come. The Lord has come. Fact, here's, here we are. What does it mean to be a good steward? Somebody is to be manager or administrator of what God's given you. Derek gave you a, a, just a real brief financial report in the bulletin. Very brief one. You can find out details if you want to go get details. That's open to you as a member. If you're not a member, well, we don't answer to you. We answer just to members because we love you. I mean, you're welcome to be our guest all the time. But what happens in the house is part of our family, right? Our faith family in the house. If you're, if you're a member of the church, it has its privileges of being in the know. And if you're not a member, well, we'll tell you all that we can. But we, don't, we won't spend extra time to tell you about the details of what's happening behind the scenes because... We got a job to do, right? When you join the team, then we go forward in Jesus' name, amen? And you can find out anything you want to know. But we're glad you're here today. Fact, last fact before the next to last. God demands his stewards be found faithful and trustworthy. If you were given a job, <laughs> this church was in a mess when I first got here, and everybody who was the most untrustworthy people wanted to be on the finance team and wanted to be the, the financial secretary. Thank God, Mary Beth's husband, George, it wasn't for him I don't know where the church would be today because he, he stepped up in, in a very strong way. He's no longer with us, obviously. He's in glory. But um, he was a man of God who actually stepped up and did the things of God. Now, there were faithful men there as well. But there was a battle of those people who wanted to be in charge. And, and, and listen, they were not faithful 100% of the time. Some of them were very. Same thing in this church. Not everybody here is carnal because Chloe told Paul, hey, this, this mess is going on in the church. Right? Stephanus' house. This is happening at the church. So there were people that were quality people that were focused on maturing in Christ. So not everybody's immature, but as far as a broad stripe goes, the church was spiritually immature. Last fact, we humans have nothing to brag about. We are spiritual debtors to Christ. We live our lives in accordance with Holy Scripture. If we don't, if we don't do that, what's going to happen, church? We're going to fail. We're going to be just like these people in Corinth. We're going to have a beautiful place to meet. Or we're going to have a song to sing. We're going to go about our business, and no one can tell the difference between you and the lost person at work. 
you sound like them, you look like them, you do the things that they do. Even our dress. How are women, how are women to dress? Paul, Paul talked about it. In modesty, right? You say, well, that, that's old-fashioned. Well, okay, what was dudes wearing back then? Men. They're wearing robes. Anybody, any dudes in dresses today? I wouldn't wear that either, right? But he tells us how to live. He, the, the, everything about life tells us how to, how to live. You say, well, I don't like that. That shows your either lostness or your immaturity. Because when you read the Word of God, it's saying, and when I mentioned earlier about the titles, don't get hung up on the title because this world says if you've got letters in front of your name and letters behind your name, that makes you a somebody. And I'm telling you, if you were born, that makes you a somebody. And if you're born again, that makes you a very important somebody in the kingdom of God. Amen? You are somebody. Let's pray together. Father, we know that the firm foundation is Jesus Christ. We celebrate that today as you give it that information. And Lord, as we look at a church, it's easy for us to say, oh, that church, or that church, or those people. But Lord, when you turn the mirror on us, the mirror of the word of God, and we go, oh, that's this person, that's me. Lord, forgive us where we fail you because we do fail you. And Lord, thank you that you support us when we ask for forgiveness. You, you say, if we ask, you're faithful and just to forgive us, Lord, when we ask. And Lord, as we all take time right now as we're praying, just to say, Lord, forgive me for and fill in the blank what it is. Lord, you're good all the time. And we praise your name. Today, Lord, if someone's here and they're not a Christian, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. That they can look at their life saying, man, I'm none of those things. Or they can look at their life and say, yeah, I have some of those characteristics, but I'm trying to do it myself. And the Christian life cannot be lived by itself. It has to be the power of God in us. And Father, today, if there's believers that are here that are living both ways, they're trying to please self, they're self-centered and not God-centered, I pray you would convict them of what the Word of God says and they would live and turn holy so they can enjoy what it is you've given us in Christ. Father, finally, those that are believing you and trusting you and maturing in their faith, as they're growing up, Lord, in their faith, praise God that they would continue, that you would strengthen them as they struggle, because we all do but you would help them along, along the way. They would see your hand of mercy going with them, and Lord, they would rejoice all the way to the kingdom. We bless your name, Jesus, today. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen.